Father God, just thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you that you're so good to us. We thank you that you watch over us and you're with us no matter what we go through, no matter uh, what happens, that you're with us and you're giving us uh, victory in every battle, Lord. We thank you and just give me the right words to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, before today's instant communication, <clears throat> most people, when they wanted to communicate with each other, wrote letters. And um, did you ever get a letter from a loved one uh, that was far away? Uh, <clears throat> maybe they were in the military or away at school, or maybe you were in the military or away at school. Maybe it was a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse. And you got that letter, and you're very excited about getting that letter. You probably read it over and over and over again. Now, before email and Snapchat and Zoom and Skype and all that, <clears throat> the mail was the way we communicated. Uh, back when we used to be careful about uh, waiting until the telephone long distance rates were lower uh, to make the phone calls. Um, <clears throat> We wanted to communicate, we did it by letters. Back in March of my senior year of college, I uh, met a beautiful young lady and fell in love with her. And <clears throat> we only had two months before I graduated uh, and left school and before uh, she would uh, go home for uh, the summer. So um, very quickly, we tried to fill those two months uh, getting to know each other, but all too quickly the summer came and we entered into a long distance relationship. Uh, she lived about 200 miles from where I live, so uh, <clears throat> the letters went back and forth. Uh, and I remember eagerly going to the post office box to see if there was a letter from Gretchen to <clears throat> and eagerly opening it up and reading it and rereading it and rereading it multiple times um, because I wanted to squeeze out every little bit of information out of that letter about her uh, so I could know her better. Now, in the early days of the church during the apostolic age, I imagine the churches felt the same way about the letters from Paul and Peter and the other apostles when they came. Uh, I can imagine they all eagerly gathered together to say, wow, there's a letter from you know, uh, the you know, apostles. You know, we want to hear what they have to say. And they would be excited and delighted about that letter. That would be something important to them. Um, <clears throat> now, today, in a lot of areas of the world, people who have never had a, a copy of those letters, never had a, a Bible in their own language, feel that same excitement about getting a Bible uh, in their own language that they can read. But for those of us here in the U.S. where we've grown up with Bibles so accessible and common, a lot of times we wind up uh, sort of leaving our Bibles to one side. They get on the shelf and they're there. We may have multiple copies of the Bible. We may have multiple translations. But 
We're so busy doing so many things that are important to us that our Bibles sort of get neglected. But this morning, I want you to pretend for me that you're first century church uh, and you're <clears throat> going to be coming together and there's going to be a letter, one of the earliest letters that were written uh, that we have in the Bible. And, you know, you're coming for the regular weekly fellowship meeting and you learn then a letter, uh, an epistle from uh, none other than the leader of the church in Jerusalem, James, the half-brother of Jesus, has written a letter to us. And, you know, just imagine your excitement, your curiosity, wondering what James has written to us, you know, how it's going to impact your life. <clears throat> you know, hey, did you hear a letter from James came? And we're going to hear what he has to say. I can't wait. Starting verse 1, uh, Epistle of James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. This is from James, and he's writing to us. We're <clears throat> to those of us who left Jerusalem when we, the persecution started, when they killed <clears throat> Stephen and the apostle James, and we scattered all over, he's writing to us. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, James has written to us. Okay, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What? What's he talking about? You know, he knows what we're going through. Why, what does he mean by taking joy in all our trials, our troubles, our persecutions? He knows what we were going through. He knows about the imprisonments of the arrests. He knows about the forfeiture of our property, the beatings. You know, how can we be joyful in those things? What does he mean by that? But remember what the apostles did when they were hauled before the Sanhedrin because they were preaching the gospel and they rejoiced that they had the honor of suffering for Christ, they praised God and rejoiced over that. And Nehemiah, didn't he say that the joy of the Lord is my strength? Let's listen to what else James has written. Verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. James says that the trials we're going through, the problems, the persecutions we're experiencing, has a reason. It develops perseverance and patience in us. Turn to your neighbor and say, my trials and troubles are developing perseverance. 
my trials and troubles are developing perseverance. Let's consider perseverance. It means patience, endurance, long-suffering. We gain strength by enduring the trials. Now, the athletes among us are going to be nodding their heads and uh, saying their motto, no pain, no gain. But the goal isn't just to persevere. James is telling us that perseverance results in our maturity to make us whole and complete. The trials, the persecutions, the hardships aren't designed to break us down or to limit us or to deprive us, but rather to make us whole and mature and complete. Excuse me. First century church probably didn't have plastic bottles, but you know. One of those anachronisms. <laughs> the trials, the tribulations are to make us whole and mature and complete. What a new way to look at things, a new perspective to look at those things, realizing that instead of being something for us to get through, it's the very process that God is using to make us into all that we can be, all that he's called us to be. And the joy we have in God strengthens us so that we can persevere and get through those. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Wow. Wisdom from God. Free, without any charge, without finding fault with us for not being wise just willing to give it to us so we can understand it. And that he will give us the wisdom to understand how his joy can get us through the trials and make us into being more like him. Verse 6. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown <clears throat> and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Oh, I don't want to be like that double-minded man that James is talking about. He sounds like he's just going through the motions and asking for God, never even thinking that God will uh, answer him. So he's essentially calling God a liar, saying, you know, God's going to promise something and not come through with it. I don't want to be like him at all. Verse 9, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. James is saying that we don't have to be ashamed, those of us who live in poverty, we because we are following Christ despite the poverty, that we can take pride in that. While the rich <clears throat> can accept the loss of the riches, their wealth, knowing that they can continue to follow God, that it, although riches don't last, 
Our relationship with God will last forever. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. <clears throat> James is saying we're blessed if we follow the Lord Jesus no matter what trials or tribulations or problems or persecutions we endure. He's saying that our reward is in heaven. <clears throat> He's saying we're going to have a crown of life for each of those of us who love the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to have crowns. The reason we have joy despite the trials because God promises us, promises us <coughs> the crown of life. And God always delivers on his promises, no matter what that double-minded man thinks. Verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. God isn't tempting me to do wrong. He's not trying to trip me up or to <clears throat> make me fall. It's my own evil desires that cause me and tempt me. And when I think about evil things, then I want to do them. And then my, those evil desires drag me away and entice me to do those things. I want to do the bad things, and so I do them, <clears throat> which is sin. And that causes my death. What seemed to be so attractive when I was thinking about it, turns out to be deadly when I do it. Instead of giving me the pleasure it promised, it causes my death. Verse 16. Dear brothers, don't be fooled by your own desires. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. Wow. James not only calls us brothers, he calls us dear brothers. <clears throat> I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hello, dear brother or dear sister. God gives us good and perfect gifts. Hello, dear brother. God gives us good and perfect gifts. God's gifts are never the wrong size, they're never the wrong color, they're never the wrong style. You never have to re-gift them to someone else. They're always the right gift at the right time in the right uh, way. God always comes through. God never changes. James says that God is the light of heaven that never gives a shadow. Verse 18. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. 
James says that God chose me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God chose you. God gave us a new birth through the word of truth. James is saying that we are the first fruits of his creation, the cream of the crop, the, <clears throat> the best of the fruit. Instead of giving birth to death like sin does, God's word of truth gives birth to us <clears throat> to a fruit for life. Now, <clears throat> I'll let you come back to the 21st century. So, but I want you to think, excuse <clears throat> me, but I want you to think about these verses. I want you to reread them over the week. Savor them, think about them, meditate on them. <clears throat> Ask God to make them more real in your life. Grab hold of the truth that this Bible is God's love letter to you. You know, way more important than any love letter I can get from Gretchen or anyone that uh, you might get from anyone else. It's God's love letter because he wants you to know what his plans for you, his purposes, his desires for you. And be excited and think, look forward to reading it. You know, not just, oh, well, I got to do my two verses today for my devotions, you know. <clears throat> um, but something expectant, you know, that excitement, that looking forward to it, you know, because that's the way he wants us to see it, you know, because it's beyond all that we could ever imagine. Now, when life is hard, when everything seems to be going wrong, when nothing seems fair, when it's all frustrating and difficult and not at all what you want, and it might be the obnoxious neighbor, might be the health concerns, might be the difficult boss or coworker, might be, you know, financial hardship you're facing, um, health problems, whatever it might be. Remember that God is using all these trials and troubles to make you more and more like him to make you whole and complete and perfect, all that he's called you to be. It's not something that's happening to make life difficult, but the process he's using to make you more like him. When you don't understand what to do or why things are happening or where to go, ask God for wisdom or bring a question for uh, <coughs> Uh, Brandon, the answer next week. Uh, <laughs> but if we ask God for wisdom, he's promised that he's going to come through. He's going to give us the wisdom to know the next step to follow him. And when wrong things entice you and promise you all sorts of pleasure and delight, remember that those thoughts are not from God, but from Satan and lead to death. Know that God gives you every good and perfect gift that gives you life and joy even in the hard times. God's joy gives you the strength you need to persevere and overcome those temptations. God loves you. God wants you to do well. He wants you to know how much he loves you. 
He wants you to know the height and depth and length and breadth of his love for you. And the way we do that is through his word. So take joy and know that God is in control and he's going to get you through all of it. Okay, let's pray. Father God, just thank you that you're in control, that you do all things well. We thank you that nothing takes you by surprise, that you are working in each one of us, Lord, to accomplish your will, to make us more like you, to make us whole and complete in you. We thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you, that all wisdom and understanding. We thank you for loving us with such a tremendous love. For he asks us in Christ's name. Amen.